Hi, I'm Kate Roffey, President of the Melbourne Football Club, and you're listening to A Yank on the Footy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 93 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I am thrilled that you're listening. This is an extraordinarily exciting episode for me. I have to admit, when I uh, reached out initially to invite this guest onto the podcast, I didn't think I would have much of a shot. Uh, Very busy position that they are now in, and, you know, I'm a, a fledgling podcast who's maybe gaining some listenership in some places but I I was so excited when when she agreed to come on and then I got extraordinarily nervous but we had an absolutely great talk and I cannot wait to bring this to you my guest for this episode and I will introduce her here in just a moment is the newly minted president of the Melbourne Football Club uh, Kate Roffey and just an absolutely delightful person I had a a grand time talking with her. Uh, you know, it, it is it is fun to 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 converse when your club is nine and zero. But I think that uh, if things were reversed and they're not, of course, she would be just as uh, cordial and just as terrific a person. So I'm I'm really excited to bring this to you. I hope you enjoy it. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was. Uh, about a month or so in the making before we were able to to get together to have the discussion, but just an absolute joyful person with such a positive outlook, and I really think you're going to enjoy this, even if you are not a D's supporter, because this is somebody who has a great outlook for the entire competition, whether it be in the AFL or the AFLW. We got into some uh, issues related to trying to bring the game to the United States a little bit more as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget that you can find everything that's related to the podcast at my new website, ayankonthefooty.com. I hope you'll consider checking it out. If you've listened to any of the live episodes, you know that I do a live episode each week on Wednesday mornings uh, in Melbourne. And you can come on and be a guest and share your views on there. Uh, You can leave voicemails on the uh, website as well, which I can then include into the uh, the podcast, which is which has been a great feature. And I just think it's a really good tool. You can review the podcast there. You can get on the mailing list. So when a new episode comes out, you get it extraordinarily quickly. It's the first place that I send a new episode when it comes out is to the mailing list for those people who have signed up for that. Now, if you like the show and you want to help out the show, and many of you have, and I truly appreciate it, uh, if you're enjoying what I'm doing, you know this is a you know this is a hobby for me, but it is a hobby that has, uh, as my wife has said, has taken pretty much all of your free time. If I'm not working on the podcast, I'm watching footy or I'm reading about footy. So this is pretty much what I'm doing right now. So if you again, I still have my my job. This is not that's certainly not the case, but uh, where that's going to be changing, but. If you like the podcast and you want to help it out, that'd be fantastic. You certainly don't have to, but I would greatly appreciate it. I do give you a shout-out on Twitter and during the episodes if you've uh, if you've helped out. 
You can do that by going to the Buy Me a Coffee page. And uh, also, you know, if you're interested in uh, any kind of gear for the podcast, I have my store page uh, from Redbubble that's also linked on there. Now, the the thing about the Buy Me a Coffee page, you know, that's a uh, that's a thing where you know you you make a donation to the podcast. And I know some people, you know, if you make a donation, it sometimes will charge you like the the service fee for making the donation, basically covering the cost of the Buy Me a Coffee page, their website, that sort of thing, their organization to cover their operating costs well i i i went ahead and set that up to where if somebody was to make a two dollar donation that i i cover the whatever the uh the operating cost for making that donation to that so it only ends up being like you know a dollar and 70 cents or whatever the case may be so it's not anything if you were donating something you're not donating beyond what you might be but donating but again you don't have to do it it'd be greatly appreciated if you if you enjoy the show but Certainly, you don't have to. Uh, I do, like I said, I want to encourage you to sign up for the mailing list. Uh, you know, I've got a, about four or five dozen people that are on the mailing list all over the world. And when a new episode comes out, I get it to them, like I said, right away. Uh, from my brother-in-law who lives in Ireland to my son who's in the, uh, the U.S. military to a number of people scattered throughout the country of Australia as well as here in the United States. You know, I would love it if you would also go onto the uh, website and leave me a review. Let's me know what uh, you think about the podcast. You can also do it on Apple Podcasts as well, and, and it will actually migrate back to the Redbubble page, and then I'm able to use those reviews as kind of advertisements on Twitter and on other social media to say, hey, you know what, this is a uh, you know a pretty decent podcast according to this person who's listening to it, and maybe you'd want to check it out as well. So. If you'd like to do that, that that would be great. Uh, if you don't want to, that's okay as well. Also, you know, one other thing: if you are a uh, a local footy club, or you're you know a, a fan of a footy club, and you've got uh, you know you've got a sticker for your club laying around, what I'm trying to do in my classroom is I'm trying to I have a huge drafting table desk, which is about uh, four feet tall by about four feet wide. And it has a massive front panel on it. And what I'm trying to do with that panel is to cover it with stickers from different footy clubs. And whether they be local or AFL or Sandville or Waffle or, you know, in the Northern Territories or whatever the case may be. So if you happen to have one of those and you would want to drop it into the post, I do put my mailing address in the show notes. So you can check that out. That would be greatly appreciated. That would be fantastic if you were able to do that. I do have some stickers for my show, like I said, up on the Redbubble page. And I've got a couple more that should be coming out pretty soon. I've got to, uh, I've got to divert some finances to that to get that, that work done and get those things out there for you. So before we dive into the episode, I had a couple of other things I wanted to touch on really quickly. The club of the episode for today is the Yuranga South Brisbane Devils. The club dates all the way back to 1910, and the women's senior club won the championship in their league last year during COVID where because they were able to be playing footy up in Queensland. Uh, the, this weekend, the senior women's club faces the Aspley Hortons in the QAFLW, and the senior men's club faces the Park Ridge Pirates in the QFA Division II North Seniors. Best of luck to the Devils this weekend. You can learn more about the Devils on their Instagram page or at 
urangafc.com.au, and I'll post a link to that in the show notes. And also, one last thing before we dive into the episode. I borrowed this bit of information from an Instagram post from Narrowly Meadows, uh, who used to be with uh, Fox Footy. She was my guest back in episode 90. Great episode, if you haven't heard it yet. And as many of you know, she had been working for the IPL in India, and she was able to return home to Australia as the COVID spike began recently in India. And she posted on her Instagram page that if anybody in Australia wants to help to donate to the ongoing situation in in, in India, she suggested the at UNICEF Australia India COVID-19 crisis appeal, which I believe is their Twitter page. I will post a link to that also in my show notes as well. So sit back and enjoy the episode, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My guest is a sports scientist. She helped spearhead the plan to upgrade the facilities that host the Australian Open Tennis Tournament, securing almost a billion dollars to fund the construction. And quite frankly, her list of accomplishments is so impressive that I'm afraid I might miss one if I try to mention all of them. Oh, I do have one more. Last month, she did become the third female president of an AFL club and the first female president of the Melbourne Demons Football Club. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome Kate Roffey to the podcast. Kate, thanks so very much for taking time out of your morning. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Delighted to be here and delighted to say hi to everyone over there in the US who's an AFL supporter, whether you're a D's fan or not. And there are there are quite a few, and it's uh, and about sixty percent of the listeners are in Australia, but about forty percent are scattered around the U.S. or around the rest of the world. So we're we're reaching a lot of people. So fantastic! You've been on the job for about a month, mm-hmm. and, and I know it's a clunky question to ask if you're settling in, but uh, let me ask you it this way: Do you love the job more today than you did a month ago? Uh, yeah, being nine zip, probably um, each okay. week is, is okay. getting easier. Exactly. <laughs> no, I'm a real, I'm very much a, a people person and I love the fact that people come up to me in the street and ask can they have a selfie or in the crowd at the MCG and, and little kids are coming up and wanting to have a, a photo taken. Young girls are coming up and saying, you know, we love what you're doing and you, you're a good, great inspiration to us. So every time I get a, a bit of feedback like that, it just makes the job so much more enjoyable. Well, one of the things that, that I've that I've hypothesized is that American sports, the players in many cases have kind of priced themselves out of the sphere, the universe that that normal people are in. You know, yeah. you might, you know, you're you're doing selfies with uh um with the fans. I watched uh, the Bulldogs play the other night, and within five minutes of the game ending, Luke Beveridge is taking selfies with fans in the stands. Within five minutes of the game being over, that kind of stuff doesn't happen here. So I I I love the family atmosphere that you that you see with the, with the clubs in the AFL. It's one of the things that really attracted me to it. And I've yeah you know, I've pretty much given up. Other than watching the Cleveland Browns, I've pretty much given up on American sports. Yeah, look, and it, it is a different world. The the wonderful uh, Lauren Jackson is a, a very good friend of mine. I've known uh, Loz since she was 16. And when she was playing in the States, we would often talk about the fact of, you, you know, how how different it is in the States. And um, if in the States you were actually out and about like we are um, as, as sports people or presidents of clubs in Australia, it would be a completely different thing because it's a whole different level of sort of, superstar and maxis so i sort of get that it's a bit different in the states because i lived in the states and i know how massive your professional sports are Mm -hmm. over there but i do love the fact that 
we still are accessible and, and our players are accessible and um, it is very much a, a family game and we still get 100,000 people to the MCG for, for matches and they all behave themselves, which is fantastic. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh... Although I I won't dig too much into the uh, the, the the Richmond uh, game at uh, at Marvel the other night when the Richmond supporters were unhappy unhappy having to travel six kilometers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just that to me that is mind boggling. Very upsetting. I just I just upsetting. I couldn't understand. I was like, you're already playing 14 games there this year. How many more yeah. do you need to play there? <laughs> That's right, but it's they're, they're sort of fortress. So there is that definite home right. advantage. Right, right. Yeah, I said now, it's not the players, it's the fans. Yes. Yeah, I say like, I'm I'm a Geelong supporter. I would love to see Richmond play down at the at GMBHA Stadium once, but I know that's yeah. not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, just crowd crowd numbers. Yeah. It's just you know, it, yeah. there is a real limitation on exactly game crowds yeah. can be. So you were previously part of the board of directors mm-hmm. and and you've now moved on and you know you're somebody who you know worked uh with uh clubs that uh that were involved in private ownership here in the states you conferred with them or and even in europe as well mm-hmm. um what what did the uh being part of the uh board of directors how did how does that help set you up to become president and can you take us through a day of what it means to be the president of a, of a footy club yeah so I've, so i've been on the board for eight years and i was uh, then moved into vice president and the the big advantage of that is that it's a system that you have to understand with total player payments and injury payments and how how AFL works as a as a system and how game structure works and how the club works so the advantage for me is I've been doing that for for a long time now for eight years so there's an added level of complexity when you become a president of the club and you're dealing with other clubs and the AFL as well on issues but um, the the good thing is I don't have to learn all the club-based stuff because I've done that so okay. I can focus more on the the AFL presidency and in speaking to other presidents um, my good friend Peggy O'Neill who's uh, president at Richmond or Mark McGuidashay at Carlton for example they say that there is a very different level and, a, and an added level of complexity that you do deal with as presidents of clubs because there's all different sorts of decisions that are made across the league as opposed to within your own club and that's probably the biggest difference that you get but in the end um, like I chair other boards as well, we are a board of directors and our responsibility is for the stewardship and the oversight of, of our football club, like mm-hmm. any board of um, any company. Okay. And that's what we, we do on a day-to-day basis. Of course, I have that added forward-facing role as president of, of leading the club. And I, I love that part of it. That's, that's really exciting for me. And the fact that you're, you're out there, you're engaging with uh, whether they be people involved in, in in corporate partnerships and things of that nature to to help to you know solidify finances because last yeah, year absolutely. last year was a terrible year for the AFL. I mean, and it was you know it was it was a great year in terms of exposure here in the United States because a lot of the games were on, but and I'll get into this in a little bit. But we do a terrible job of marketing the game here in the states. We're awful at yeah. here, and mm-hmm. and and. I was going to bounce an idea off of you on that a little bit later on, but you're, you're, you talked about, you know, during your, your initial um, discussions after you got the position as president about bringing equity to the, uh, to the game. And what, what does that look like to you? If you project, you know, five years down the road or so, what does that look like to you? Yeah. So, so equity and inclusion, obviously, um, being one of few female presidents and our first first female presidents, I think it's long overdue that we have a better gender balance. But equity is not just about the 
the gender conversation. It's about you know, a lot of marginalised groups out there who feel like they may not have the right to be involved or it may not be accessible. And I know in speaking to a lot of people out there, they see uh, someone who, like myself, came from a, a small country town, went to my you know, local um, high school and worked my way up um, career-wise. They start to see that these sorts of things are accessible. And, and I just say... Um, being women on boards now or um, people, whether you're of an Indigenous background in Australia or whether you're a person with a disability, um, it's a reflection of contemporary society and it's not very reflective at the moment still in a lot of areas. And part of, part of the real joy I get out of this role is saying that we need to be more contemporary, we need to be more reflective of society and we will be with more role models who actually show that, hey, you know, someone has to be it, it might as well be you. So mm -hmm. I really get a great deal of joy out of that opportunity to actually show that people from all different backgrounds can actually do these sorts of roles. And the, and the, and the AFLW has certainly oh. helped to accelerate that. And it's been, you know, and I, 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 I can honestly say I watched every single game of the regular season this year. I mean, that was, yeah. it was it's absolutely fantastic. fascinating. Yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, the, the women, as you'd be well aware, it, um, on a very different, it's it's semi-professional, we would call mm -hmm. it at best. They have a shorter season there. They're not paid as much. I do, you know, I do love spending, I spend a lot of time with our AFLW program because those young women who play and contribute so much when they work full-time, most of them, or they study as well as play, right, they right. are just such excellent people. I mean, they're not, not just players. They are really, really, really good people and I, I love as a club we try to do everything that we can to make them the best people that they can be both our, our men and our women who play for us we want them to be the best people first and foremost mm -hmm. and better people make better players and that's something that we really focus on a lot and do you see you know and I know they just moved the they moved the start date for the upcoming season to December mm -hmm. so there would not be an overlap and if I'm not mistaken they added another round to the season yes. as well uh, mm -hmm. and bringing in two, possibly four teams this year, and then at least the last two the next year yeah. then. Uh, yeah, we won't bring any more in just yet, but, yes, they have done that. And the main reason for the move is that we'd love the men's and women's seasons to run together and for, you know, games to sort of be played back-to-back. -back. Mm -hmm. The problem is that our staff um, who work in the system are the same staff who do both um, in terms of administration and also some some of our on-field support staff. So we'll have people flying from one of our women's games over to Adelaide for the men's game right, right. overnight. So at the moment, the only way that we can actually really support both as much as we need to support them is to split the season. But ideally, they would become at some future point in time self-sufficient in their own resourcing rights, which means that you could actually have the seasons running simultaneously but there's all sorts of problems with access to grounds and facilities and and staff and those sorts of things so and it's and, a, it's a makes it a long season though and and part of it i think also is it you know because I, I see you know quite a few people on social media who are you know they, they've kind of got their heels dug in a little bit because they've not watched the women's comp and and i did i did you know and lots of other people did too i mean the scoring increased quite a bit this year Mm -hmm. but you know a lot of people have not yet to give it a not yet give it a chance and i i think that having an opportunity for it to kind of be out there standing on its own mm -hmm. as, as a as a lead-in 
to the men's comp, I think could could do wonders for it because it's gonna it's gonna kind of whet the appetite for the the footy the stubborn footy fan who maybe didn't want to watch the women's comp and, and they might say, okay, mm-hmm. I'll watch it, and they'll say, this is pretty darn good. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, two things: one is um, we find there's a, a, a um, whole new group of people who are now engaged because of the women's mm-hmm. um, team. And as you said, um, if you think the men's um, you know, AFL players and things are accessible here in Australia, then you should go to a women's match because they will be standing on the sidelines having photos and selfies right, um, right. in the crowd with people for an hour. They just love it. So they, they're very, very accessible. We're finding a lot of um, different people are coming to the game because mm-hmm. of that. And to those who don't watch um, the AFL and comment, well, have a look at it before you before you start to make comments. We get plenty of that, you know, shouldn't be this, shouldn't be that. It's like they haven't even seen it. So I, you want to you watch it and you want to contribute to the conversation, I, absolutely. You don't I, watch it, don't comment. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I agree with you on that. It's It's been, you know, I uh, and I'm drawing a blank on her name right now, but the midfielder from Fremantle, I think it could play uh, in the women's team. I can't, yeah. Kira, Kira, uh, Kira, Kira. Yeah, she she could play. I think she could play in the men's comp. And yes, yeah. and and just and still get seven or eight tackles a game. She's just a phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. it's uh, but it's it just watching the the faces of of the girls, the young girls in the crowd. You know, yeah. seeing seeing that you know there there's somebody that looks like me that I that I can you know maybe kind of emulate, and I can and, and that's an opportunity for me you know, five mm-hmm. or 10 years down the road that, that I can be out there on that ground. And, and maybe by then, maybe by then it's got itself in a stable enough position that it is a full-time job, that it is, yeah. you know, that, you know, that, that would be fantastic. I would imagine that has to be a dream of yours as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a thing, interesting point. It's like um, men's and women's golf. We watch mm-hmm. the men's professional golf, but you know, you're never going to be able to hit the ball like, um, Rory McIlroy or, or Tiger Woods or something, but you watch the women's and we think, well, you know, it's not unachievable to to actually play. And it's a bit the same with the women's AFLW. They are such skilled players now that right. a lot of people, including young men who are, you know, not going to get to a level of a, a Max Spawn or a Cosy Pickett or someone like that, but they um, can emulate a Karen Paxman or mm-hmm. an Eden Zanka because they those women are so exceptional that that's you know that's something that young women young men can look at and actually emulate and say hey you know I can actually do that as well and I think that's where I'm saying we're getting a whole different sort of group of people who are watching the AFLW because this the skill set is just so exceptional that it's a it's a game like I say if you if you're not watching it and you're commenting then you know, you're not welcome in the commentary, but if you watch it and you comment, then that's a different thing because I think if you watch it like yourself, Craig, you watch it, um, you really get your eyes open to just how high a quality yeah. level this game is being played at. And it, and it is, it, like I said, it is it is improved year to year. Now, I think, you know, maybe they, took a, they maybe took a slight step back when they added four new clubs, you know, all yeah, at one time because, you know, because, and that was, I was going to ask you that. I said, is there a, is there a concern about bringing four new clubs in because I, I know that these these clubs want to have a women's yeah. club. I, I get that. I, and I know that, that Mr. Kennedy up in Hawthorne has been mm-hmm. pretty adamant about wanting to get one. And But is there concern about, about the, a dilution of the talent pool too much? You yeah, know? and we, we talk about this quite a, quite a bit is do you bring the clubs in and, and the new clubs obviously um, do struggle in their first few years usually because 
they're gelling as a team. Whether or not you've got good players doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean you can play well as a team. So so that happens. So there's the the two different conversations. Do you just bring all the teams in at once and then it'll settle after a few years and we'll bring enough uh, younger players up through the AFL ranks to all get to a similar sort of level? Or do you let it settle more and then bring the teams in later? Now, it's a, you know, there's two sides of the the argument there. You can... Um, that's, that's a great point. You can, yeah, you can bring them in. The, the big difference is uh, most of those teams are still based in Melbourne and that does dilute mm-hmm. the, the playing pool in Victoria a lot more than it does in, in other states. And there's a conversation that that says why why is it Adelaide or, or Brisbane who constantly challenge for premierships and you'll find that they have a much more settled pool of players because you know at the moment there's there's one team in um in Adelaide for example Port don't have one right, at right. the moment so so the player pools are a bit different to access but it, at some point in time every team will have a an AFL women's team and we'll have a full and rounded competition and yeah, you know, it's a bit of a flip of the coin as to to when you do it. Um, resourcing is another thing, and the length of the season. Obviously, all teams want to play each other, mm-hmm. and the bigger the competition gets, then the longer the right. the season um, will be, and that's a resourcing issue for clubs at the moment. So there's a lot. It's a very complicated question. It's one of those things, as you say, we talk about at the AFL. So you brought up a, you brought up a point that I guess I I didn't really consider before, but. Uh... There is not as much interstate movement in the women's comp with the players. It's, they they pretty much stay in within their state. Yeah, okay. so because they have a they have a livelihood. Jobs or schools. Okay. Yeah, so you're not actually moving. Okay. A lot of them do actually move for their football careers, but a lot um, work. You know, have full time jobs right, right. where they are. So if you and taking, you know, three or four months out plus um, training, mm-hmm. preseason training to move, and some. Some have done it and, and very happily have done it, but others are a bit more, you know, linked to where they work because okay. they're not actually paid. They can't make a full-time living out of right, football. Right. So it's a little bit different to the men's, whereas the men go to play. That's their profession. So Yeah, and I, I just, yeah, and I knew I knew it wasn't a full-time position yet because I, you know, because I, 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 I tell people here about the person that I consider to be the baddest person, the baddest person on the planet and being Jess Wushner. You yes. know, after having yes. what she went through last year with, with the lightning yeah. incident, and then the a couple of day, couple of days later, she's she's back. You know, she's working as a stevedore, and then a couple mm-hmm. of days later, she's back on the grounds at practice. And I was like, no other human being yeah. is going to be able to do that sort yeah. of thing. And it's just they it's, are, in, yeah, they're incredible. We've got we've got one player who travels for two hours each way to train because uh, she lives down in the in the country on her family's farm. Okay, and you know that's how committed they are to actually. Playing and and you know there is something about playing in a team. I mean it's it's such a great such a great um, thing to be able to be part of a team sport at whatever mm-hmm. level it is. That they just they love it and they get so much value out of it. But they're different. They're different competitions and it, hopefully it'll come. It's something certainly I'll be very committed to working on. I know Nick Livingston and others at the the AFL are very committed to continuing to grow our our competition and yeah. support it. But it's going it's going to take some time, but we're getting there. And I've reached I've reached out to her as well, uh, mm-hmm. to her like her management group, and I think they forwarded yeah. the email on to her. So I've not heard, that's only been a few days, but we'll we'll see if mm-hmm. that happens. But you know, is there something that uh, you know? Because there are lots of supporters of the game, you know, here in the United States and other parts around the world. Is there something that that supporters that they're outside of Australia that you think that they should know about footy that they don't know? 
No, look, it's I find it quite fascinating. And I came from outside of Victoria. I grew up in New South Wales, and we were not where I grew up, an AFL mm-hmm. town. We we were League and Union, so I didn't really understand this massive AFL machine until I got to uh, <laughs> Victoria. But I think one of the things in COVID, and we have um, Irish women in particular who play in the AFLW, and we've mm-hmm. we've had three Irish um, women over here this year. It has just taken off enormously in Ireland because these women over there are huge Gaelic football superstars. I mean, right, their right. faces are on the sides of buses over in <laughs> Ireland, so they're very well known. They come and play here, and all of a sudden the AFL in Ireland has taken off thanks to these uh, Irish women in particular who are playing in the AFLW. So I think maybe we need a couple more people from the US, like Mason Cox or others, because Mm -hmm. really there's a a huge interest when you've got someone, a homegrown hero, playing that actually sparks a bit of interest. But, of course, when we were um, in COVID last year and we were actually playing live sport and no other country was, there were a lot of eyes that turned to... AFL and I remember listening to an American uh, overview of, of AFL and they were talking about why do they keep punting the ball? We don't mm-hmm. actually call it punting in Australia, but there was a lot to learn. But even they were saying this is just such a great game to watch. And I think that is the thing with AFL, even if you don't understand the rules and what holding the ball is, and let's face it, none of us really understand that. Even um, even even some of the people wearing yellow shirts can't figure exactly, that out. Exactly, yeah. It's a very <laughs> like, it's, the great thing about it is that it's such an arbitrary yes. call. I mean, yes. you, you see something happen and you blow the whistle and you make a call and the half the crowd obviously agree with you and half disagree. But it's just <laughs> such an exciting and fascinating game to watch because the ball oh. is always moving and yes. the skill of the athletes is unbelievable i i think it's i think it's the great i honestly i think it is the greatest game on the planet and i oh, i'm i've been a i've been a baseball fan for over half mm-hmm. a century and yeah. i don't watch baseball anymore yeah. because because <laughs> i am so caught up with this game and I, I, I love this game. And there are, there are lots of us like that here. And it's, uh, you know, and I was just mentioning, I jotted down here. I said, you know, we've got, we, we finally got the games back on here in the States where they're carrying three oh, okay. games. They're carrying three games a week, but there's no, there's no advertising for it. Yeah. There's no, there's, you know, I, I've been, you know, screaming my head off as much as I can that said to say that if they did like, you know, like, the Fox sports channel here did like an hour long highlight show in prime time, you know, at eight o'clock in the evening here saying, here's what happened in the previous week. And, and, you know, put an ad on saying, you know, at least set your DVR and watch this other game later on. It would, it would, you know, even if you were only to capture, you know, 1% of, of the, the people here in the United States as fans, that's 3 million more fans. That's right. It's huge. And it's a, you know, a highlight reel from the AFL is, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. you've got marks that are being taken. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, standing on people's heads. Mm-hmm. You've got kicks from outside 50 metres. Mm-hmm. We've got a barrel kick going from the, the defending goal square into the centre square last week. I mean, exactly. that's like 75, 80 metres. Yeah, it's huge. So the highlight reel is, is just fascinating. And that's the way to start it, I think. Like you say, get people interested in the, the highlights, and I can assure you, pretty much any match you watch, there's going to be four or five of those mm-hmm. highlight reel, well, highlight reel activities going on. And the thing that's even more mind-boggling here is that if a game ends early, one, you never get to see the song, son. Oh, but but no. if it but if it ends early, 
they they cut to the, it's the same piece of video that they've been using for years it's about 20 minutes long and it's of some rugby league that i have no idea who it is and it's and it's really bad techno music so they go from playing footy to showing it an old video clip of somebody playing rugby and and not saying hey these are two different games here yeah yeah it's, okay it's, yeah yeah i just think from a marketing course, standpoint yeah. they could do so much better yeah there's four codes of football of course here in yes. australia so it's confusing yeah. at the best times but yeah absolutely i mean the team song is is such a huge huge thing here um yeah people hang around to just to see their team sing the song on the field it's such a big thing and then down in the change rooms it's uh, you know the team get together and sing their song. I'm not sure that there's another sport that I can think of that actually have that that team song sort of, um, you know, it, it really is a tribal thing here. It's If you've got a good team song, then you, you get supporters because well, they love, to, love there, to sing that song. There are a few instances uh, in college football, for example, you know, like Ohio State uh, will go mm-hmm. sing, will go sing with their band, or the the Army Navy, like the Army and Navy yeah. academies will will go and sing to the, the the midshipmen or cadets in their group. They'll go mm-hmm. sing, it. and when they play each other, you want to sing last because that means you won the yeah. game. You know, so it's uh, but it's just it's amazing. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's I think it could it could grow exponentially here. You know, if um if that was to happen, but. You know, you you spend all this time working with different clubs, whether it be Manchester United or Arsenal mm-hmm. or the, the Giants and the Yankees in New York or the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things were, were, you know, where you were working with the tennis group to try to get, yeah. you know, updates there. Have you been able to take anything that you learned during that and apply it to what you're doing now? Yeah, look, one of those things, and you mentioned baseball and here, and I, I do love baseball uh, when I'm in the States. And here in Australia, people have a perception that baseball goes for hours. Like it's a really long game. And I say it's just usually actually a lot shorter than a, an AFL match and a long game is two hours. But when you go to the States, it's all about the fan activation and the crowd engagement. And I remember going to the, I was with doing some, um, spending some time with the Washington Redskins and I was down there for their season opener against the Giants. Okay. And they said, you know, you've got to come uh, to the game. You could do all these things, da, 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 da. And I said, what time should I get here? And they said, oh, 11.30 at the latest. And I thought, oh, good, you know, 12.30 game, 12.40 game. The game started at like 4.20 p.m. <laughs> I had to be there at 11.30 so I could go to all four concerts, so I could mm-hmm. have lunch with the with the group, so I could go to some of the other activation zones. It's just such a, it really is a day out. Right, right. In the States, you know, it is, it's a day out of the baseball and you have your tailgating and things like that. And we very much here in Australia, we go to the game sort of an hour, half an hour before it starts. We watch the game and then we, we go out. And I really would like to see some more of that activation happening here because I think there's a huge opportunity for people who can't actually physically get to the game because they mm-hmm. don't live in Melbourne or we play in Adelaide this week so um, some supporters will go over but but not a lot not as many as we get here so that other activation gives others the opportunity to actually feel part of the club as opposed to the you know the older style if you're a member you go to the game and that's how you're involved so I think there's in this day and age and COVID has certainly shown us this with all our online activity that there is great opportunity to engage more people and to have better fan engagement outside of just being at the ground and the game itself. So that's something that interests me a lot because as I'm sitting here talking to, you know, someone in the US about an AFL uh, (laughs) podcast, we've obviously got to reach, and this is something Manchester United do fantastically well, 
they have got more members of their club that live outside of the UK than they actually do that live in the UK. Wow. People, um, people in South America just want to be a member of Manchester United. Well, it's, yeah, I, and European football is, is huge here in the States. You know, it, yeah. it is on, it's on television all the time. And I think part of it has to do with the, the time difference also, because mm-hmm. London, London is five hours ahead of the East coast of the United States. So it's, yeah. you know, those, those, you know, those games kind of fit right into our, mm-hmm. our mornings or our afternoons. So it, yeah, dovet- it dovetails well with American football once that's done, which is, yes. which is why I think that, that the AFL, it would, you know, could be so great here because it's, you know, people who love you know American football, love that action, love the contact and that sort of thing. And there are a lot of football fans who are not baseball fans. And this, yes. this would be, this would be a great, this is a great transition because it, it starts up right at, you know, the men's comp starts right up after the, the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is done and ends, you know, right as, yeah. you know, like first couple of weeks of the season, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it is just, yeah. And I, and I'm doing my level best to, to recruit as yeah, many fans I, as I possibly can, you know, and I it's, think that's uh, it. I mean, it's, it will grow, um, you know, as more people watch it and understand it. I think that's the, yes. the other yes. thing is, um, you know, my family are in Queensland and they're, they're not AFL, they are now because um, I've been involved in a football club and they watch and they're gradually learning the rules and, and understanding it. So, and that always helps. I think we should do, I always say, you know, how do we get more people involved overseas and things? I say, we've got to educate them about what, it, what is a mark. Mm-hmm. What is holding the ball? Yeah, you know, we don't have any offside or anything in in um, AFL, and, and people just can't understand which, it. Like, which I, I love that. I, yeah, and I, it's, that's why it's such a rounded game. You know, I I work I work as an announcer for football and soccer here in the mm-hmm. states, and and I I joke that soccer is a communist sport because they don't let you use all of your body parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, you know, and I'm involved with one of our with one of our new A-League yeah the, the A League team, soccer. yeah. Yeah. yeah, Western United, and we, we are, we're always losing by one goal because we just get pinned by an arbitrary offside uh-huh. offside rule yeah. or something. And, and, you know, can imagine, like hockey, you know, sort of if you open the game up a bit more, the field hockey I'm talking about here in Australia, but if you open the game up a bit more, which they did by tweaking some of those rules, it just made it a faster, much more exciting well, game to play. You know, in some ways it's, 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 you know, where you're getting penalized for being faster than your opponent. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, and it, and it, what's wrong with that? Yeah, and it's and it's a calculated it's a calculated risk. It, it's in many ways what what Footy did with the the six 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 rule. Yeah, you know, where, yeah. where if you got a you know, if you got a lead and you're you know you're wanting to drop you know a couple extra people back into the defensive fifty, well you know try to protect that lead. Well now you can't do that because they're trying to open yeah. the game up. And yeah. it's, and the and the man on the mark and yes and those sorts of things. and they have they have uh, unusual implications because of course the standing on the mark you used to be able to to move um now you have to stand still on the mark um it allows now particularly in the in the 50 meter zone it now allows a player to run around and gain mm-hmm. a few extra meters right um, get that kick long kick goals that they wouldn't have been able to yeah. before because they just wouldn't have made the distance they would have been stopped by the the man on the mark so they you know when we change rules all sorts of things happen that you weren't expecting mm-hmm. i think the mm-hmm. 666 rule didn't have as much impact as we thought we've got less rotations and now they're standing on the mark rule this year so um we were waiting to see what impact that has had but it doesn't seem to have had any any huge impact fortunately so and look everyone plays under the same rule so it would be different right right you know some teams had the rotational rule and others didn't but everyone has to adjust and adapt so you know it's yeah it's across the board so it's it's interesting or play all their games at the mcg 
Yeah. <laughs> that's right. It is our. We are the oldest team in the competition. That is yes. our. It is our home ground. So yes, and and, and they have you play, play there all the time. And they have you playing in a lot of different places. And calling we, it home we game. play. Yeah. Yeah, we everyone plays away um, because right, we have right. interstate teams, and it's you know it's obviously not fair as they travel all the time. So we travel to their teams. Something you may not know over in the the US because I know the gridiron um, that the mm-hmm. NFL's played on, for example, is um, exactly the same everywhere. Every AFL field is different in terms of size and shape, um, and that's why they talk about different advantages at home grounds and various other things because some are long and skinny, some are shorter and fatter the mcg is is huge so different uh, yeah. there is no stock standard dimensions for an afl ground and that's why there are different home ground advantages and that's why it's interesting to play at marvel stadium with the roof closed most of the time mm-hmm. um you're in the same conditions all the time versus the mcg and i can assure you when you're standing down on the field versus when you're standing in the stands it is a very it's about 10 degrees colder for a start and there's this enormously swirly wind down right, there that right. you just don't feel up in the stands so the conditions do change a lot across grounds yeah one of the, one of the things that i i love seeing is it and i've got several people to do this is when they take photographs from sit where they sit in the stands because you know uh, un, i mean until this time last year i had never actually even seen a sharon in person let alone a game oh, okay yeah. <laughs> so yeah. just being able to see the different vantage points mm-hmm. from the grounds is just to oh, me is just fascinating because you know i yeah. it, it makes me feel a little bit more like i'm there than than since yeah. i've never been it there is, before and look i i um I'm not sure it's become a bit of a talisman or something, but I um, to go into the change rooms to when the game finishes, I actually go down to the edge of the field because it's, it's a little high from my where I usually sit. And so I'm down there. And so I've been standing in the players' race just watching the end of the game. And now mm-hmm. that's become, a, oh, you're going to be in the players' race at the end of the game. But I actually love being down there because I spend most of my time turned around and looking back up at the crowd because I'm standing you know, on at field level and looking up into this massive sea of red and blue scarves and jumpers and mm-hmm. people just willing this team over the line. And it is, it's, it's just to be there. And I, you know, seriously, if you are in the States or you're somewhere that um, you haven't actually seen a live game of AFL at the MCG, mm-hmm. put it on your bucket list no, because it, it really are oh, the feeling and, the support it's on there. When your team is enormous. It's it's just huge. So I absolutely get what you what you say when you say you're watching it on television because you don't even get you don't you don't even get the view of the whole field at right, any one right. time. TV and and that's the great thing about watching it live is you can there's a lot going on that you don't actually see on the camera. Right. In well, that's that's one of the things that the NFL does is that they actually. They they will they will sell to people if they want to buy it what they call the coach's camera, which is like uh-huh. the camera that's above the the goalposts. You can see all twenty two players on the ground. Mm-hmm. I I love it when they go to that high yeah. camera above the goalposts where you can begin to see how people are deploying on the field because that yes. tight that tight shot you just don't get to see it, and it's it's great to be able to see that. No, and that's the thing is that when you understand the game, you'll sit there and you know Cosy pick it or kick a goal, and I I'll say oh. Well done, Luke Jackson, who's, you know, way back out of camera shot, halfway back up uh-huh. the field. But it was a shift that he he pulled off that allowed the ball to get through. Or So right. there's so much that happens off the ball in terms of allowing the ball to get through, whether it's shepherding or, or doing other things like that, that you just don't get to see in those close-up shots. So I always watch at the venue, then I come home and I watch it on the replay mm-hmm. on the television when now, I get, get home. 
Now I had just a couple of really short questions here for you because I know you've got a you've got a busy day here, and I don't want to take up too much of your yeah, time no, here. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been involved in so many different sports, you know, around the world and that sort of thing. Who are some of the greatest athletes or sports people that you've seen in person? Oh, look, I'd say the fabulous Lauren Jackson. Um, as I said, she's absolutely the world's greatest female basketballer. Um, she's just been uh, taken into the um, Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, just was announced last week. So um, Loz, I've, I've known, and she's been a very dear friend of mine since she was 16, and I've had the opportunity to not just see but be part of her growth and development and her journey um, over in the the US and Russia and various other places she's played. So, you know, to me, I am fortunate enough that, you know, I was with Sam Stozer when she won her US Open uh, title in the the States, in New York. So I've been fortunate enough because of the work that I do to have had the opportunity to be involved with some of these people. I worked with Linford Christie when I was a biomechanist at the Institute of Sport. You know, I've worked with some fabulous swimming, Nick, Nick Livingston, Someone that we've mentioned there, mm-hmm. um, Lindley Frame, who's a, a world breaststroking champion, they're very good friends. So I have to say I have been fortunate enough to, because of my background as a sports scientist and the, the um, sort of uh, places I've worked and things, to have these people in my lives directly. So it's a it's a huge honour. And now, of course, I've got my, I don't know, 60-odd um, you know, surrogate children in my AFL men and <laughs> AFL women at the Melbourne Football Club that I love working with them as well. They, they're just such fantastic young people and, and um, it, it's just such a joy. It makes my job um, so pleasurable to have the opportunity to work directly with those those players. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm, I do have to ask, this is a follow-up then really quickly. You do have a, a birthday database for all the cards, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool. I was I, I was do. just tossing that out there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I do too. I have um, I have mobile numbers. I have um, I have the birthday. I have um, partners uh, lists okay. and things. It's very, like I said, their families. Um, they're part of the Melbourne Football Club family. Right, they right. Are people first and foremost, and I say to Chris Petrarca when he signs a seven-year contract with the club, and you know, I'm having a chat to him. He says, "Thanks for caring about us um, players," and I say, "Chris, I care about you people." I'll know mm-hmm. Chris Petrarca mm-hmm. the person for a lot more right. years than I'll know Chris Petrarca the the player. Um, and you know, it's really important to me that they are good good people and they have great opportunities when they finish playing football. So you got you know, even though it, it's a very rewarding job, it, it has to be a little bit stressful. How, how do you un, how do you unwind? And, and yeah, I know you've only only been doing it for a yeah. while, but how do you unwind? Are you a music person, a podcast person, or you just you know you have cycle? Yeah. Or- I think- um, no, I, so I, I do play the guitar. So okay. um, yeah, I'm sitting in my office here at the moment because I have other other work. We, you know, we talk about the fact that these roles are volunteer roles unpaid, so we have to work to pay the mortgages and things. So um, I have about seven or eight guitars and a banjo and things. So I'll pick those <laughs> up when I need a break. But I'm actually a, um, it's become very common knowledge, I think, here in Australia, but I'm actually a woodworker. So I make um handmade furniture, dovetail joints and things like that. And that's really um, that or horse riding, something like that. I'll go and do those things, which are just absolutely you're focused on Mm -hmm. doing those things. Other thoughts don't creep into your head. And I find if I, that's like my meditation time, I go and do that and, and I come back refreshed and ready to go again. Now you've got a beautiful piece over your right shoulder that looks like some indigenous Mm -hmm. artwork. Did, Did you make that frame as well? I did make that frame. Yes, okay. I did. And I put those, um, there's three paintings there. I'm not sure. Okay. If you can I see saw them, the... but, um, 
yeah, they, those paintings are actually from um, from the Northern Territory. They're from um, Uluru, from Indigenous artists okay. up there. So yes, I framed them, and they're beautiful piece of work. But I did make the frame. Yes, that, those are those. That is beautiful work there. Yes. Uh, now I, I've ran into this question, and I've uh, I've asked this to a couple of people here. You're you're in a room with everybody that you have ever met. Mm-hmm. Who do you go look for? Oh, the, who do I the, go look for? Who's the person you go look for? Yeah, in terms of just to, to have a chat and the a safety. Chat, a chat, you know. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You know, it's it would be, I reckon, um, it's probably my sisters. I've got, um, okay. you know, sisters that I'm very close to because it doesn't matter what else you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're the president of the football club and they're incredibly proud of that, but I'm still there. They're older or their younger sister. And, um, you know, I think that sort of thing, it's always grounding. To, to just find those people that are um, people who know you as you are. And, you know, someone said, oh, you're the human president. You're so human. I said, well, I'm the same person I was the day before I came president. Mm-hmm. And I'll be the same person the day I'm, um, when I finished being president. So it's a job, but it doesn't make me any more important as a person. And those, those um, people are people, friends, family that I'll go to because that's where I don't have to be the president of the football club. At that point okay. in time, I'm, I'm just me again. Great answer. Great answer. Now, last question for you. Mm-hmm. What is your autobiography going to be called? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's a, I think it'd probably be called Career by Chaos, I think. <laughs> people ask, you know, did you ever dream of doing this? I was, I was on the board for seven years. I didn't, yeah. you know, think of becoming president. It's, it's really a matter of being right person, right time, right place in all of those things that I've done. And all I can say to people out there when they ask, how do you do it, is just go with your gut. If the opportunity um, comes there and it feels like it's right, you just say yes, whether or not, you know, you think what's going to happen, this is going to be a wild and crazy ride, I'm, I'm sure. But, you know, you're asked and you step up and say, yep, uh, must be my time to, to do it. And off you go and do it. So when the door opens, it seems like the right door, just walk through it. That's a great title. I like that. I like that career <laughs> yeah, by chaos. Yeah, it's pretty true. I think that's so well. I mean, that's true. you've got you know that's it, and that's a term that you know shows up. The whole chaos thing shows up in in footy as well. You know, when you're mm-hmm. cleaning up that yeah, ball absolutely. in front of the goal. Well, yeah, I'll have to write that down so I don't forget. Now, well, <laughs> thanks for that, Craig. I'll, I'll, I'll send it. To, I'll send it to you in an email. Okay, I'll remind Fantastic. you about that then. But, ladies and gentlemen, I I'd like to thank my uh, my guest, Melbourne Demons President Kate Roffey, for joining me this morning. Kate, I cannot. Thank you nearly enough for taking time out of your morning to stop by with me today. I truly, truly appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. This was an absolute blast. It was it was a joy to talk to you, and I I I wish you the best of luck this year. Thank you. Except for one round because you have to play along <laughs> again. But other than that, I, I yeah, twenty one and one won't be all bad. <laughs> no, look, it'd be fantastic at the, at the moment. There's no no president who wouldn't rather be me. But thank you, like thanks for inviting me, and thanks for taking an interest in our our fabulous sport and hopefully over the the podcast i've uh, attracted one or two more demon members so well that's get in behind yes. the get on the d train people because it's going to be an exciting ride i think well i i was that's one thing i didn't ask you was what's your uh you know if for those people who are not committed to a club yet why should they be a demons fan oh because we we want to be the best club on and off the field and i think that's something that's really resonating very strongly at the moment through our club is people are seeing that we're welcoming, we're engaging, we are inclusive, we are respectful of, of all people. And I think 
you know, that's something that really is attracting a lot of people to the Melbourne Footy Club at the moment. And that's reflected in the way that we're playing on the field. Those things, inclusion, respect, um, they're things that you're actually seeing those players uh, living and dying by out on the field and, mm -hmm. and our supporters are feeling it. And, you know, it's just a great club to be involved in. Everybody is welcome here and um, it's one huge Melbourne family. And, you know, the more we can get into our family and the more people we can get on the train, the better. Everyone Fantastic. is welcome. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks so very much. I appreciate it. No worries. Now, Thank you. A huge thank you to Kate Roffey for taking time out of her schedule this week to sit down and talk with me. An absolute pleasure. Just a, a wonderful person with such a positive outlook for the club, for life, for where she sees the the both competitions going in the future. Absolute pleasure to talk with her, and I cannot thank her enough. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've got an idea for a show topic or if you know somebody that you think should be a guest on the show, maybe it is you. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email at ayankonthefootyatgmail.com. You can leave me a voicemail or a message on my website. You can drop me a, a direct message on Twitter. You can shoot me a note on uh, Instagram or on Facebook at ayankonthefooty. I'd love to hear from you. Remember, you can find all of the episodes for this podcast at yankonthefooty.com. You can find everything else related to the podcast as well there. Remember, uh, you can also locate the, uh, the storefront page or the Buy Me a Coffee page if you're interested in checking those things out. I am going to start getting my episodes updated on my YouTube channel. I've been a little neglectful on that because that's a somewhat time-consuming process to upload the episodes there, so I have to be a little... Uh, I have to have some time that I can set aside, and with the school year coming to end here pretty soon, I will get the episodes that I do not have up to date on there on the YouTube channel because I have had some people begin to listen there, and I would like to hopefully grow that as well. Don't forget, uh, folks, that you can uh, reach me, as I said, at yankonthefootyatgmail.com as well as on Twitter at yank underscore on. I do ask that you... Uh, Consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family if you like this episode. You know, hopefully if you're, you know, I'm assuming there'll be several D supporters listening to this one. You know, share this one with your, uh, your fellow D supporters and maybe you'll learn something about your new club president that you didn't know already. Uh, you know, also if you would consider uh, taking time to give me a review either on my website or on Apple Podcasts that lets me know what I'm doing well. Let's me know what uh, I can improve on. You can actually leave a uh, a review on a website called podchaser.com as well, which is kind of like a, podca a podcasting clearinghouse site where reviews can be done and people can uh, in interact with other you know, podcast hosts and that type of things. It's kind of a neat little uh, neat little website there. But if you if you would leave a a uh, review, that would be greatly appreciated. It'd be absolutely fantastic if you did that. You know, folks. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. Again, I I know there are lots of different footy podcasts out there. So there are some great ones. There are not enough hours in the day for me to listen to all of the footy podcasts that I want to listen to. I've recommended several of them. I've, I've had several of them on as guests on my podcast as well. There are some terrific ones out there. And if you love this game and you want to get insight from different people, about different aspects of the game, you can certainly check out a number of those. They are they are wonderful. You know, I'm I am 
I'm one blade of grass in a lawn of footy podcasts. You know, I, I, I think mine is growing a little bit. I, I believe that having the president of one of the clubs is a big step forward for my podcast. I hope that that might open some doors for me uh, in terms of my ability to say, here, here's who I've had on as a guest. But there are a lot of footy podcasts out there, and, you know, I've, like I said, you can scroll through my list of episodes, and I've had probably a dozen of them uh, stop by as guests on my podcast. I've gone on a few of them myself as well. You know, this is a game, folks, that we all love. You know, we have our clubs that we support, or maybe you're new to the game and you're just figuring it out, you're, you're wanting to figure out who to support. If you're finding yourself here and you are... You're not sure what club you want to support? Well, you know who I support. You know, I've made that clear in many episodes. I made it clear in this episode as well. But I can't tell you who to support. But what I can recommend to you is to go back and listen to my first episode of this podcast where I kind of outlined the steps that I took when I became a supporter of the Cats. It's the process that I went through in order to, to decide who I wanted to, to cheer for. For those of you in the U.S., you do not root for a club in Australia. Okay? Ask your friends about that one. Again, folks, we are all fans of this game. It's a game that we all love. It is footy, the greatest game on the planet. Again, I do ask that you share this episode or my website with your friends and family so they can check it out. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. And until next time, I will catch you later. This has been episode number 93 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at a yank on the footy, as well as on my website, a yank on the footy.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and family. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye. <laughs>